Hello and welcome to the Mostly Weather podcast. My name is Jeff Norwood-Brown and today I'm joined by Alex Deacon. Hello. Aidan McGiven. Hello. And Catherine Ross. Hello. And we are talking about weather in the movies. This is going to be the first of a three-part uh, Mostly Weather. Um, so, yeah, so we've each been given a movie to review and uh, without further ado, I think we'll uh, we'll crack on. So, Alex. Oh, we start with me. Do you want to? <laughs> yes. Yes, let's. Let's get it out of the way. Uh, Geostorm. I've not seen this one. This uh, is new you, to me. You've, uh, yeah, you are, you are the lucky ones. Let's just put it like that. Uh, Geostorm. Really, um, not that much weather in it, sadly. Uh, but, uh, yeah, some good special effects. Um, not, not particularly great acting. And, uh, yeah, overall, a bit of a disappointment. But the main premise of it is that... Uh, well, we've, we're, we're saving the world from climatological disasters and they've basically used the International Space Station to build a grid of satellites around the globe that control weather and keep everything calm. So they're going for like quiet and calm conditions and then it's not being used as a weapon at all? No, no, right. not. And that's the point of it. It was built and the Americans built it, but they kind of with international help and there's a bit of politics in there. Uh, and they've built this system that keeps the weather all calm and stops uh, the effects of, of, of climate change, I guess. Um, and yeah, these satellites all control things, keep everything up. But then one of the satellites goes rogue uh, and all of a sudden there's... Uh, a village in Afghanistan that's frozen right? and people are literally frozen to death stood where they are. I'm not sure what kind of weather was supposed to cause that but anyway there's just a sudden freeze the Afghanistan satellites stopped working and it's allowed this big freeze across Afghanistan next we go to Hong Kong and there's a big earthquake um, Again, not quite sure how it's weather related and how the satellites are controlling this, but they're corrupted. They can't control it. There's a massive uh, scene and one of the one of the goodies is in Hong Kong and has to escape dramatically in his car from this earthquake. Uh, right. Try and cover that up somehow. Uh, but he's on to the fact that there's a problem. And then eventually it's established that... Um, the American government uh, behind it, and there's a baddie, there's a bad apple. So, in the as government. with all these films, he knows there's a problem, and people don't believe him. Or? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, he then contacts uh, the, the goodie who's working within the American government, whose brother happened to have designed the whole system, uh, and uh, yeah, he then has to build a relationship back with his brother, who was cast aside because of a. Because he wasn't really, he wasn't conforming to to the political side of things. So he was cast aside. His brother, who's still in the government, then has to go on make up with him. So it's a big family story. It's a bit emotional. Uh, and then together they save the world. Ah, jolly good. Was there anything plausible at all? Was there were there any points at which they actually got the science right? Uh, well, I mean. It's hard to say, really. There was a bit exists. where <laughs> there was a tsunami that looked looked pretty good. Actually, the tsunami scene looked looked pretty reasonable. Uh, <laughs> again, whether that's weather, weather yeah, whether that's weather. <laughs> the earthquake scene looked pretty reasonable as well, but again, not particularly weather related. The, there wasn't a lot of weather in it. The main weather scene was when five tornadoes come out of the same cumulonimbus cloud in India. Um, again, that satellite obviously stopped working and so couldn't control these. Um, big storms and yeah there was literally five 
tornadoes out so the same sea. Were the other satellites trying to fight against the rogue satellites? Well, in the end, they had to send. Oh, this was the best bit. They sent. Yeah, they had to send replacement satellites to 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 fit in in this uh, in this big dome that surrounds the whole world. Uh, but they just sent them to to knock out this satellite. So they're actually just crashing satellites against each other to to to, to cure the problem. Have and they then, not seen gravity? No. Well, we, we know what happens. Yeah, it was it wasn't good. Um, and then it's yeah. So this, they send satellites and to to smash out the other satellites. And the big premise is that the goody or the goody's brother who built the whole thing basically has to get back up into space. And basically, it's a bit like an IT problem. Turn it off and on again. <laughs> Basically, yeah, 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 it, it, yeah. But there's obviously they need special codes, and they can only get them from the president uh, to be able to do this. But basically, it comes down to this guy who built the system needs to get back into space and turn it off and on again, and everything will be okay. Okay, hang on. Can we just backtrack a second? Talk to me about tornadoes in India. I'm pretty, I'm pretty I sure it was in India. Generally, hear of them in India. It's usually Bangladesh you hear of yeah, tornadoes. Yeah, that's true. That's true. They get, you get a lot in Bangladesh, and there's a there's a season like, similar to the to the season in the US, of course, the tornado alley. Uh, but there is a, there's a big season of uh, tornadoes in Bangladesh. Not that common in India, and this was uh, certainly never seen five uh, from the same all hitting the ground, all what looked like you know pretty powerful tornadoes uh, from the same. Cumulonimbus cloud. So yeah, it was it was a bit of nonsense, really. And, and so we're back in the world of the unlikely. Back in the world of the unlikely. <laughs> yes, the, the whole two and a half hours or however long it was 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 pretty unlikely. But yes, it it seemed very unlikely to me. And, and uh, yeah, Bangladesh would have been a better scene for it. What about the heat wave in Madrid? Uh, th- something like two million people killed in Madrid from a one day heat wave. Is that right? Oh yeah, yeah. This, you, that's a very brief clip, and he just cuts to Madrid, and there's people just just again who just obviously. The heat wave was very instantaneous. It mm. just seemed to happen a bit like this: people freezing over in in uh, Afghanistan. I mean, it's in the future. It, it, you know, these climate conditions. Who knows? But it seemed pretty unlikely. And uh, and why weren't the warnings there? I mean, we all know that heat waves are deadly. Lots of people die when you get unusually hot weather. But two million people seems a bit high. It does seem a little bit, and they do seem to keel over quickly. But then, you know, heat stress can take on very rapidly. And, you know, if people didn't know about it, weren't warned, then you know, people are outside in that kind of heat and temperatures may have suddenly jumped up for some reason. So, yeah, yeah, no, it's these these things are dangerous. OK, dangerous we'll, we'll call that semi-plausible. <laughs> <laughs> I think semi-plausible is good. OK, Alex, um, I think we'll leave that film there for now. I think we've covered all the meteorological aspects of it. Out of five, with five being the highest, how would you score this film? Uh, a generous one. A generous one. Yeah, Is that just yeah. for the for the for the bad side? I mean, the, the, the tornadoes look pretty real, and the the, the tsunami. They, they, some of the CGI was 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 pretty good, really. But uh, yeah, the science was was ropey and very generally. Yeah. We'll, we'll move on then. So, who wants to go next, Catherine? I can go next if you like. Um, what was your film? My film was the day after tomorrow. Um, so essentially disaster movie in the extreme, I would say. Um, we, we start off with a, a rogue scientist, or at least he's viewed as that by the political um, population. Sorry, so this is a scientist that the authorities wouldn't believe. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and obviously he's sort of indicating global, global warming is the term that we have at this point. Um, so there is global warming taking place and it is, it's, it's going to result in an ice age. Um, 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, sometime within the next 10 years. Um, 10 years? Yes. Wow, okay. The Vice President of the United States tells him, no, stop, uh, stop being difficult about this. You know, you, you, the, the economy matters far more than your potential ice age. Go away. Mm. Two days later... <laughs> Cue the end of the world. Right. Okay. Wow. Right. So these timescales are a bit shrunk compared to reality. Yes. This is what I really like about this movie because at the very beginning, the scientist is addressing a room full of people and he says, this could happen any time between 100 years and 1,000 years. That then gets shortened to 10 years and then it gets shortened to six to eight weeks and then it happens within the wow. space of 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, and it's and it's very much one of those where you just sort of watch it, and, uh, and, and everything just kind of you know, take a concept times by a thousand, and you've probably got something along those lines. So you know, we ha- we have um, global warming being caused by melting of the ice sheets. Okay, that's actually got some gen- genuine science yeah, behind yeah, it. Yeah. Somehow or other, this splits us to an ice age, um, and in the consequence of that, we've got three massive storms covering the globe three or four days to go from nothing to an ice age covering the entire northern hemisphere. Um, Instant freezing caused by those storms bringing down massively supercooled air from the upper troposphere, which is, the temperature's all wrong anyway, it doesn't actually add up. Um, And just generally, the the science, the concepts there, it's just all a bit kind of in the extreme, but the special effects are good. (laughs) Well, now, this is... I, There's a trend one, developing here. <laughs> there is one scene, actually, very early on, where there's a, a hailstorm uh, which starts killing people. I think it's meant to be in Japan. And yeah. um, one thing that annoys me about it is the hail is clear. And uh, mm. uh, from a science point of view, if you ever look at hail, it's almost... If you cut a, a hailstone in half, it's almost like an onion because it builds up as it goes up and down through the clouds. So to get clear hail... Um, was one thing that put me off very early there's, there's on. There's something the similar in Geostorm, actually. There's a big hailstorm. I almost forgot about that. There's a big hailstorm in that that does kill people. But you'll be pleased to know, Jeff, they're not clear. They are. Oh, they're I'm much more... I'm really rep- Maybe I should up my score. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I think your score we'll just went up. Yeah, yeah. Actually, speaking of hail, in Twister, the hail is white because they made it from a, a milk freezing machine or something <laughs> like that. So what that's what you way? need to do. They <laughs> clearly went wrong in the day after tomorrow. Well, they they in, didn't use the right kind of... Um, in in the Twister, rain, they used milk, real hail. They actually made... It's not CGI. Well, it's no, it, it's not real hail, but it's made from frozen but milk or yogurt or oh, something wow. like that, and that's why it's white. Oh, that's interesting. Isn't part of the whole turning colder ice age thing to do with the cutting off of the Gulf Stream, though? And there was actually... The melting of the ice sheets then changes the salinity of the water and it, it stops the natural flow in the Gulf. I mean, the UK is warmer than it should be because of its position in the in the world because of the Gulf Stream. And that kind of gets cut off. So there was a theory back in the early 2000s that actually global uh, climate change could uh, send certainly the UK or parts of northern Europe into a colder spell. Yeah, absolutely. It was a concept known as the Younger Dryas, and it does seem to be sort of a, a genuine concept that that they've built into the into the movie alongside the crazy bits. That's actually a, kind of a real bit. And was discussed uh, in another podcast, another mostly weather when we talked about uh, we talked about sea level rise um, a few weeks ago as well. So that's it's less likely. I think a lot of the climate uh, models now it's still a, it's still a possibility, but it's it looks less likely now than it did in the early two thousands. I should mention one of the things, they actually do something called modelling in this film. <laughs> they actually take data and feed it into a model and come out with these projections that move 
you know, um, climate change from six weeks to four weeks to two days. Um, <laughs> but you know, they, you know, they, they are there's, there's sort of ideas in there which are genuine things that either were mm. theories yeah. that were existent at the time of the film, it's 2004, um, or we do. You know, there is modelling. There are all you know, all the t- all the types of event do happen. Yeah. And even last year there was. Um, I know there was a, uh, an image of a, a satellite image of three huge storms, which actually were covering a good chunk of the globe at that particular point. Okay, it wasn't kind of the whole globe, but it was. It was certainly I think most of the Pacific and a bit a bit out the sides. And so the comments like, well, yeah, actually, you know, you could technically looking down from space because they had people up in space going, oh, look at the storms. You could technically actually see something that looked a bit like that. Obviously, it's not causing the chaos that they were talking about, but you could see something like that. So there's elements, there's nuggets of, uh, and then it's just been Hollywoodified. Hot, yes. Absolutely. So just going back to, I mean, I know that the prediction was, you know, in about 100 years, oh, well, no, hang on, next Tuesday. I mean, do we feel that, that things are speeding up with, uh, with climate change? Is there any science behind that, do we think, from the predictions? Mm, that's an interesting question. Wow. Uh, it just seems to be that every time we hear the news and something about climate in the news, it, it's happening a little bit faster than we yeah, were expecting. Yeah, I think there's an element of that. I mean, uh, yes, it's it's not quite on those I mean, I'm sure we're good for next but, week. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, there's the, the whole projections from Paris, uh, 1.5 Celsius, and now the projections coming out this week is that in the next five years, we, we could be a lot closer to that 1.5 already. So, I mean, we've got uh, the, there was a headline um, only this week about uh, a glacier the size of the UK melting um, far faster than we, we anticipated. Mm. So maybe we can give day after tomorrow a little bit more credit. Yeah, I like it. I see what you're doing there. But of course, the one we talked about Paris, that was all that talk about, you know, keeping those temperatures back by 2050. And then the reports all last year were that we actually need to do that by 2030. So yeah, the timescales are shifting. Um, isn't there a point in the movie in which there are hurricanes that form in the really, really cold air? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they help to drive the snowstorms that, that, that completely cover New York. Oh, that's New right, because one of the forecasters says but hurricanes can't form in this sort of uh, weather mass, this, this sort of this air sort of mass. mass. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because normally you'd have hurricanes fueled by the warm waters of the uh, tropical oceans, wouldn't you? And in yeah. this film, they're it's, it's depicted somewhere North forming <laughs> in really cold air that would lack energy. And, and also, um, something that I've, I've heard been picked apart a couple of times before is is the fact that you've got the cold air coming down from the top of the troposphere, so the, the top of the weather part of our atmosphere. The cold air is descending and coming down to the surface. But in reality, when you've got c- cold air descending from above, for example, in an area of high pressure, well, it warms mm. as it comes down. You get unusually warm air at the surface because the air is sinking, it's compressing and uh, warming up. And so you'd get the opposite happening. Yeah. And also, you know, they're pulling down this air from the troposphere and saying it's therefore minus 150 on the ground. It's not minus 150 in the troposphere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't see quite how they managed that it's one. It got even colder on the yes. way down. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So there's some physics issues there. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the concepts is you know, literally they, I think the phrase I found was the day after tomorrow creatively violates every known law of thermodynamics. <laughs> <laughs> I Which I like, rather liked. I also like the bit that the Americans have enormous uh, uh, Met offices and uh, the UK Met offices, four, four blokes in a hut in Scotland. Yes. <laughs> yep. That's the Hadley Centre. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's right, that's the entire Hadley Centre. So, and, and one of them is sleeping on the job when all of this crazy stuff is going on. He doesn't notice that the, the world is going into an ice age. He's not looking at his computer. Well, not that's quite, that's quite realistic. I've been on a night shift. <laughs> I, I know, I've been on a night shift. 
even had a bit of a snooze, it has to be said. They're tough things, night shift. I think that's probably, perhaps that's the most re- realistic thing in the whole film. I think if you thought the Ice Age was coming, you must stay awake for that one. <laughs> Maybe. Especially by next Tuesday. So are we going to go for scores? Yeah, why not? Um, so out of five? Out of five. If I'm scoring the weather, um, I'd probably have to give it a three because Ooh, there's some wow. pretty reasonable things in there. They've taken it too far, but there's actually some genuine science rather than let's control the weather with satellites, you yeah. know. Um, and also they don't try and fix it. That was probably the one thing I particularly liked about it was they're not saying we can magically fix climate change. We're going to go and do something in space or throw a meteor at the Atlantic or whatever else it might be. They just accept, yeah, okay, we we can't fix this. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. Right, we'll move on then to Aidan. Which film did you get to review? Well, compared to the first two, this was <laughs> a lot more plausible. This was Twister, 1996. Actually, the second highest grossing movie of 1996, just behind Independence Day. Mm. And it's an enjoyable watch. It, it's fun, right? It, it, it's um, And for meteorologists in particular, it's actually fun to watch. Um, uh, the, the opener grips you straight away. Little girl, Joe Thornton, father, mother, little dog called Toby. They <laughs> seek shelter in their storm shelter, in their Hot. storm cellar, from an F5 tornado. Now, there's a famous Oklahoma meteorologist on TV called Gary England, and he is predicting this F5 tornado. He's showing it on the radar. Both of those, I'll go on to in a minute, not entirely accurate, but Gary England is actually a real... Guy, a famous Oklahoma meteorologist, still working a few years ago. Um, so they heed his advice, seek shelter in the storm cellar, and then the tornado hits them. And of course, they've got a really dodgy lock on the storm cellar. So Joe's father tries to hold it shut with his hand and gets sucked up into this F5 tornado, never to be seen again. Uh, so it's devastating. What... What you realise is that he would have actually been safer just staying with his the rest of his family who were completely unscathed actually in the storm cellar rather than holding onto the door. Um, but yeah, he, he died a hero. What was he worried about? Things coming in? He was worried could, about could anything. Have been, yeah. Could have been. A, a um, flying piano or a flying cow perhaps. Yeah, yeah. we'll get onto the flying <laughs> cow. <laughs> Fast forward 27 years. It's now mid-90s. And that young girl's grown up to be a doctor, a meteorologist and storm chaser, desperate to avenge the death of her father by finding out how to warn of these tornadoes, how to destroy them and uh, increase the warning time from three minutes to 15 minutes using a state of the art uh, research machine called Dorothy. Um, Oh, I do like Dorothy. See what they've done there. Yeah, Yeah. clever. and this is, a, this is a little box that has a whole bunch of uh, instruments that can then get sucked up into a tornado. If you deploy it in the path of a tornado, all these little balls get sucked up and they will give you a 3D view of the inside of a tornado. Mm. And they can then fi- uh, find all this information out that will then, even this, this is untried and untested uh, research, they, they are confident that it will ultimately... Um, uh, increase the warning from three minutes to 15 minutes of a tornado and give you enough time to go out and buy a better lock yes (laughs) that's that's right yeah enough time to go to the shops and now if i remember joe is on the side of the good 
good weather people, uh, <laughs> but there is a, a rogue team of evil weather people yeah. who were um, who all drive black vehicles, if I remember <laughs> rightly. Yeah, the bad. So you can tell the difference. That's it's right. Very so important. this this came out before I joined the Met Office, and and this sort of inspired me to join. But I wanted to be one of the evil weather men. Ah. So we have that's your black, black car in the car. That's my black car in the car park. There's a there's a, a great line. Uh, in which um, Joe's estranged husband, Bill, who joins the, 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 the research team for this one day. We'll go on to that in a moment. But there's a great line from him in which he, he says, those guys, they're in it for the money, not the science. Yes. <laughs> so I guess, uh, Jeff, that would make you on the side of money, right? These, yeah. these are, they're, they're corporate shills. really then. hasn't worked out. <laughs> Um, yeah, and they're the baddies. The tornadoes aren't the baddies, they're the baddies. They're, they're quite reckless when they, they chase But tornadoes. they also have an instrument that they call Dot 2. Dot 3. Dot 3. Dot 3. Which they copied from Dorothy. From Joe. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Joe's estranged husband, Bill, he's wanting her to sign divorce papers, and so he goes out looking for her, finds her on the, the verge of a big storm chase, and it's reckoned this will be the uh, busiest day on record in Oklahoma for tornadoes, and so he can't resist. He's brought along his new fiance, uh, but he can't resist joining the team because this is his instrument that he wants to deploy. And so they go out chasing tornadoes. Conveniently, they see five, five or six tornadoes, and they conveniently go up from F1 to F2, F3, F4, F5, each one bigger and uglier than the last. And, uh, and conveniently as well, they get really close, if not completely covered by every single one of those tornadoes. Uh, each time attempting to deploy this machine to find out more about the storms. Do they cover the the scale, the the Fujita scale? Do they go into detail? Well, this difference? is the so the, there were two inaccuracies at the very beginning that I mentioned. This was 1969, and the presenter on TV was predicting an F5. But the Fujita scale was only devised in 1971. Oh, <laughs> oh. Aiden, that is top research. Yeah. Time Lord. Top <laughs> research. Oh, my word. That is phenomenal. Uh, not only that. In your face, Hollywood. But you don't predict F1, no, F2. No, F2. It's no. done by the damage afterwards. Yeah. yeah. And it, not only that, but throughout the film, they say, oh, that looks like an F3 or that looks like an F4. You can't estimate the... Uh, size of a tornado by just looking at them. It, it's done by an assessment of the damage afterwards. Or by deploying a special machine into the middle of it. That's right. Yeah. There is, there is a, a really good scene where they're sat around the uh, the table at, I think it's Joe's auntie's? Or, or uh, Aunt Meg, yeah. Yeah, Aunt yeah. Meg. And, uh, and they're talking about uh, the scale of, of measuring tornadoes and someone asks, what's an F5? And they go silent. <laughs> it's like you don't talk about the F5. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody talks oh, about it. Oh, man. It, it's a, it's a little bit like Beaufort, you know, he's got his, his 12 forces and he you know, explains how each one affects a ship. When you get to the end, you just get hurricane. Yeah. It's like, we don't need to say what this is. We're you not, just know. Not cows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think is another line in there. Uh, so actually, on the whole, compared to the first two movies, there was a lot more meteorological sound science in this. A mm. uh, couple of things they got wrong. I mentioned the Fujita scale. Um, also, the fact that there was 24 hours of constant tornadoes, each getting bigger 
than the last. Uh, in the you, same place. In the same place. Pretty rare. Um, you, you know, you'd normally expect to peak around the afternoon or the evening and then die. They should have been in India for the geostorms <laughs> five at the same time. <laughs> so that was, I mean, I wouldn't say it's impossible. I guess under certain circumstances you might get that one day, but it just seems implausible that you'd just get an escalation of tornadoes in the same place uh, for 24 hours. Um, in one bit, and this is uh, health advice here, in one scene towards the beginning, Bill and Joe shelter from a tornado, an F1, under a bridge, which is really inadvisable because if anything, it could be more dangerous sheltering under a bridge than not because you know, the, the, the winds from the tornado could actually increase squeezing under the bridge. The funneling effect. Funneling effect. Uh, so that is not advised. Um, <laughs> and, it it uh, was a pretty um, good film in terms of special effects, though, back in the day. Wasn't it? it won awards for its special effects. Yeah, it was a movie in which the action and the effects were praised over the characters and the script. Uh, one critic... <laughs> For the Washington Post wrote, it's a triumph of technology over storytelling and the actor's craft. Characters exist mainly to tell a couple of jokes, cower in fear of downdrafts, and otherwise kill time between tornadoes. But, you know, we just like watching tornadoes, yeah, so we're exactly. quite happy yeah, with yeah, that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, just one final bit where the science was slightly dubious. Uh, Bill, he, he almost acts as a, as a tornado whisperer. He can tell exactly where the tornadoes are going to go just by looking at them. He'll say wow. things like, there's an updraft shift. Or, look at the updraft, the angle. It's going to shift its track. Mm -hmm. uh, now, either he had special powers that normal meteorologists <laughs> <Tornado> don't. <man. laughs> uh, the, the baddies, incidentally, can't tell this. And they, they drive straight into the tornadoes, whereas he swerves the, the, the jeep and and heads away from them. So um, There's another line, isn't there? We, we've, uh, it's gone green. We, and someone replies, we've got greenage. And <laughs> I've, I've looked for this in, in uh, cumulonimbus clouds when storms are coming in, and I've never seen them go green. So is it something on the cloud that t changes colour that you can really tell? never really explained. Ah, okay. yeah. Yeah, but it's like Black Adam when it discovers green. Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe, maybe it's gone green because it's full of grass. You mentioned cows, flying cows. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, this was one aspect that they got kind of right. It looks implausible. There's one scene in which they're uh, approaching twin water spouts. They say, we've got sisters, right? Twin water spouts. And surrounding these water spouts, there's a cow that just flies past their vehicle. And then another cow, <laughs> seconds later, again, flies past the vehicle and... And uh, Joe says, another cow. And Bill says, I think it's the same <laughs> one. <laughs> Incidentally, while the cow is circling their vehicle, their vehicle doesn't seem to be bothered by the it's not, wind. It's not moving. Interesting. Oh. <laughs> Very, Very good. So um, should we summarise that one then with a, with a score? Should well, uh, one other aspect, where the, uh, just to give it its credit, because I've, I've said a few things where the, the science was wrong. Uh, Dorothy itself was based on a real thing called Toto. Um, so it was inspired by this um, Totable Tornado Observatory, which was invented in 1979. It was deployed a few times during the 80s, never with much success. How do you get it into the tornado? You, you put, put it, it in the path. You put it there. And that's what they did in real you just life. put it in his path and run away really yeah. quickly. Yeah. And then hope it gets sucked up. And then it, how did it communicate with... That wasn't entirely clear, right. but but they were jumping around at the end of the movie. Spoiler alert! 
that they had just loads of data coming in. You can see all the numbers on a computer. But we've we, got data. We do this on a daily data. basis with weather balloons, don't we? We send, yeah, yeah, you know, we send yeah. radio sons up which have GPS on them so we can track them and they take pressure, temperature and humidity. I'm not sure they'd work in the middle of a tornado. No, I wouldn't like to launch a weather balloon in the tornado, <laughs> to be honest with you. But um, actually, would you need a balloon? <laughs> Just let go. So are we going to score this one, Aidan? Um, I'd give it a four out of five. The, you know, the, a lot of the terminology was sound. Um, the special effects were pretty good for the time. Uh, based on real scientific research, flying houses, flying trucks, flying cows, all reasonably plausible. <laughs> and the movie inspired a lot of meteorologists to do the jobs that they're doing now. Um, and, so, they, yeah, and they managed to predict the non-predicting Fujita scale, which was quite yeah, clever. Indeed. Finally, Jeff, let's talk about your movie. Which one do you pick? Well, I didn't pick this one as it was more imposed on me by uh, producer Claire. Yeah, I didn't know we could pick. I'd have, I'd have chosen Sharknado if I could pick. I would have gone for Geostorm. I like I'd have picked something that, that didn't one. have impossible wolves in it. So I went for uh, The Perfect Storm. And um, not a massive amount of weather in, in the film. Uh, an awful lot of fish. Um, but it is based on a true story and a true event, and rather a sad event, actually. So, spoiler alert, um, uh, they all die um, in the end. Um, but at least there won't be a sequel, so that's a good thing. Um, so, what basically happens in the movie is uh, there's a, a crew on a fishing boat, and they're having a terrible time uh, trying to catch fish. So, they decide to go out very late in the season, far beyond where they would normally go, and they get uh, caught out by a rather extraordinary storm that has never been named actually, it's, it's actually known as the no-name storm. Um, but basically they then try and get back, you know, because their freezer's broken down and the catch that they've got, which is quite a good one right at the end of the season, um, is going to go off before they get back and they get caught out uh, by a rogue wave. Now the film, as I say, is based on a real event, a real um, met event, in that a low pressure area uh, collided with several things, a, a very strong cold front. Um, it also encapsulated uh, uh, Hurricane Grace um, and um, we came up against a ridge of high pressure uh, all off the east coast of America. And this, this just called, it caused this extraordinary, uh, it did become a class one hurricane in the end um, and did catch this particular boat out and we did lose the crew in real life as well. So uh, now the actual main scene is where they get caught out by a rogue wave and this wave so there are some estimates that say they were measuring waves of over 100 foot during this storm uh, some are saying around where the the, the ship the uh, andrea gale was uh, was actually fishing the waves were more like 60 foot but i mean that's still an impressive way to get caught mm -hmm. out by um they're in quite small boats as well, aren't they? They're, just they're not fishing, massive they're boats. Like you know, fishing, it's a, it's fishing, a big fishing yeah. boat. It's, yeah, you know, it's, they're not rowing. You no. Know, so, um, no. They're a bit bigger than a trawler. trawler. But, but yeah. they're, they're yeah, still... On, on that same sort yeah. of size. But they also lost... Uh, in, um, uh, the film covers it as well. Uh, the Coast Guard are sent out to try and help these people because uh, the, the fishing boat loses its antenna and some of their colleagues back at base realise that they can't contact them and they're not going to be able to issue a mayday if anything goes wrong. Coast Guard goes out. And uh, the Coast Guard uh, aircraft crashes as well, so uh, mm. and that actually happened. So, um, so yeah, a bit of a sad film. Really, the, the 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 weather event is right at the end, and it's it's a typical drama of love interests and 
fish. It's pretty, you know? it's pretty slow, fish. isn't it? It's my pretty favourite kind of movie. Yeah, I mean, it's not, not a great deal happens. The, the first one of the most hour, memorable so. lines is is one of the fishermen just says to the captain, "I just want a fish, God damn it!" You know, so and um, so we've all been there. We've all felt like that. Fair I'm enough. sure someone at some point says, "Go, go, go," as they do in every film. And um, but yeah, the, the, basically, that that's the entire weather event is the last ten minutes of the film. I have to declare an interest in this film because if if it wasn't for this film, I wouldn't be sitting here today. That, that is a true fact. As a fisherman, that's, be a as, fisherman. As, I'd be a fisherman. No, I wouldn't. I, I just wouldn't be. A, I wouldn't have been a weather presenter. Right. I, I got my job specifically because of this film. So, uh, are you familiar with the particular weather events? I no, not re- well. Vaguely, only through the film. Right. Okay. Uh, but we were invited. I was working at ITV at the time as a as a as a as a meteorologist as a forecaster, and uh, the the weather presenter Sean uh, Sean Lloyd oh, yeah. got invited to this to the premiere of A Perfect Storm, uh, a media premiere, and she got us all tickets. So we all went along, and a lot of the BBC gang were there, and there was an after-show party, and I got introduced to Helen Young. Oh, right. By Claire Nazir. Producer Claire. By producer Claire. Right. Uh, it was free alcohol, and she invited me along for a uh, for a screen test, and that is how I got my job at the BBC. So, so if it wasn't for this film, I wouldn't be sitting here today. It's proof it's not what you know, it's who you know. Exactly. <laughs> and that's, that's how your career began. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I'm going to score this one, uh, just to wrap up this, and uh, I would say generally not the film was not to my taste, uh, and there's an awful lot of non-weather about it, so maybe one or two for that. Um, but the actual reality-based storm that did actually happen, um, yeah, has to be a good four out of five for this one. Wow, you're But only for the last ten minutes. Very generous. Well, thanks everyone for joining me on this, uh, <laughs> the first part of a, a three-part series that we intend to do. Um, thank you to Alex and Catherine and Aidan. And Aidan, can you tell us about the upcoming other two parts? Yes, yeah, so that whilst this part has been covering weather movies specifically, the next part will be looking at depictions of weather forecasters in movies. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And then the final part will be looking at how weather has been used to dramatic effect in all sorts of different movies. Okay, thanks very much and thanks everyone for listening. Producer this week was Claire Nazir and the editor was Simon Hammett.